Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Otherwise in Zanzi. You're listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala. Hazel Makuzen is a producer of the show and Rob Parkin, our technical producer for today. Our contact details are 0892-102010. Email otherwise at safm.co.za. Tweets at otherwise safm or at Shadow Twala. Now, Vashti Nepal is a journalist and winner of the City Press Nonfiction Award for 2014. She joins us to talk to us about South Africa's missing genius children. And then 29-year-old theatre producer Nobulali Dangazele talks to us about her passion for Shakespeare. And she talks to us from the University of Warwick, where she is doing her PhD in Shakespeare and Strategy. Dr. Trinam Sopper's productions are featured at the Children's Theatre Festival, currently running in Durban, and she explains why you ought to attend. But first, our lunch bite. And our lunch bite is a poem by Steve Jobs. It's called Teach a Gifted Kid. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square hole, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules and they have no respect for the status quo. You can praise them, disagree with them, quote them, disbelieve them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They invent, they imagine, they heal, they explore, they create, they inspire, they push the human race forward. Maybe they have to be crazy. How else can you stare at an empty canvas and see a work of art? Or sit in silence and hear a song that has never been written? Or gaze at a red planet and see a laboratory on wheels? We make tools for these kinds of people. While some see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Otherwise, on SAFM. Vashti Nepal joins me now. She's a former KZN Provincial, Gauteng Provincial and SA National Schools Debate Coach. She's a founder of the Tihuti Institute, and I may be butchering that as well. And Tihuti aims to expose school-aged learners to means and matter that enriches education. And the organization works with both economically disadvantaged learners and learners with better means, often on the same platform, to foster relationships and respect of mutual skill and interest. Congratulations, Vasti. Welcome to Otherwise. Thank you very much for having me. It is Vashti, right? Yes, it is Vashti. Nepal? Nepal. Nepal. Well, congratulations. You've won uh, the City Press Nonfiction Award for 2014, which gives you a gorgeous prize of quite a, a, a sum of money. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm, I take it now you can write your book. Um, I think the plan was always to write the book, but this does help with researching it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, what are we talking about here, South Africa's missing genius children? Okay, well, in almost every society, we always expect there to be top performers, top thinkers, kids whose IQ are in a higher bracket, or even just if you want to measure it in the most basic ways, children who are performing years ahead of their actual age. Mm -hmm. And we expect to see it. We don't find it when we watch television shows like uh, talk shows and they have 
wonderful children in America or in England performing perhaps music or art or mathematics. But what we don't have is a similar focus in South Africa on where those children are. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for those children. Now, is it, is it, is it normal that they exist in every society, as you've said, or do we, do we develop uh, these type of children? Okay, so it's actually both. Um, the way I explain it is to think of it almost like a, a, a wonderful football player. You might be born with a natural ability, mm. but if you never see a football pitch, you're never going to realize it. Mm-hmm. So you have to have both. It's both something that every society, statistically, the children are born with the ability. But different societies allow children to leverage off of that better than others. Hmm. And and, and are you saying we've had these children before, but we don't have them anymore? I'm saying that we have them right now and we can't find them. And I, I believe that they're stuck in the school system as it is. And research indicates that... If you are a, an above-average child who is from a low-income home, you're actually more likely to drop out of school than the average child from a low-income home. So for the majority of our children who aren't from wealthy families, who aren't going to the best schools, they are in a situation where the government schooling system doesn't in any way offer enrichment for their particular um, um, education needs. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want us to track back a bit and talk about preschool because uh, and I know we'll, we'll talk more about identifying the type of education and what encouragement they get but how do we as parents or communities identify these children? Okay, so that's a great question. One of the first things to realize is that very often a gifted child has a very low attention span because they take in things very quickly. Mm -hmm. If you're processing quicker than the average child, it means that you're getting bored with the book you've been given or the television show you've been put in front of. Mm -hmm. So these are children who are very um, active. They have often very low attention spans. They ask many questions um, because they're trying to process things at just a slightly quicker rate than, than the average child. If you find yourself in, in a situation where you almost don't have enough time to deal with your child, you don't know why they need so much stimulation, chances are you're dealing with a gifted child at a young age. Then they're diagnosed with ADHD. Um, it is often a misdiagnosis given, although to be fair, you can be both ADHD and gifted. It is, it's <laughs> something called twice exceptional. It means that you are twice as much trouble for your parents. <laughs> But, but, but then is, is, isn't that when, before diagnosis really, isn't that when the intervention needs to happen to, to, yes. to treat them differently or find a better stream of, of development to put them into? I don't know if that exists. So, so firstly, it's recognition, trying to find out or confirm whether this child is gifted. And one of the nice things that we have for very young learners and for kids don't all speak English is there are now non-verbal tests just use shapes and patterns Mm. so that's a great thing that we can use 
The next thing is, unfortunately, we don't really have a place to put them once we, once we discover that they are gifted. Mm-hmm. And this is where um, you find that class tends to kick in. Because if you're from a family who can afford it, your child is going to get extra enrichment. They're going to get art classes or music mm-hmm. classes, or they're going to be perhaps advanced a grade or get extra tutors or taught an additional language just to keep them busy, mm-hmm. even if they're going to a regular school. So there are alternative methods of enrichment that if you can afford them and if you have the know-how and you live in an area that provides them, you can leverage off of. But the vast majority of our children do not have access to these things. So Vashti, how how then, let's say they do get to school eventually and, and get uh, accepted into the education uh, stream that we have, are teachers uh, empowered enough to identify these children? Um, at present, they are not formally, ident- um, formally empowered to identify them. That doesn't mean to say that a teacher with several years of experience doesn't know a gifted child where he or she sees one. Mm-hmm. There was actually a fascinating study done about it where we went into schools and, and, and they, they asked teachers, you know, what do you think about gifted children? And they said, no, I, I have had some in the past. And it's very sad that we can't do very much for them. So teachers are aware, but there hasn't been any formal training. It's not currently a part of the, the training, um, um, a, a mandatory training. Mm-hmm. And it's also not part of the government's um, act that, that covers inclusive education. So currently, um, the government has undertaken inclusive education for differently abled learners but they made the decision to exclude gifted learners when it was proposed. So it isn't something that's being covered from the highest um, level down, so it doesn't filter through to teachers either. So you say we're looking for these children. Where are you looking, and what will you do with these children when you find them? (laughs) (laughs) What will you do Um, with them when you find them? Because I want these children too. Yes, yes. I I think our whole country has to be invested in this, because it is... We, we have often a very negative typecast of the youth, and you hear terrible statistics, and you hear terrible stories, but the flip side is also true. There are amazing children out there, and it would be great for us to give them a leg up. So what I'm trying to do, firstly, is through this book, introduce the idea that they are out there, that all the all research indicates that these children exist, and to propose a number of different things that can be done to help them. So. The first and most basic thing is we need more data on these children. Mm -hmm. And we don't have it because it hasn't been, it is in no way a priority for us at the moment. Mm -hmm. Which I understand our current education system has its own challenges. um, But as a result, this hasn't been looked at in detail. The next thing to do once we have that data is to say, how can we allow these children to maximize their own potential? Because... That's really what we're trying to do with our education system, is we offer through mainstream education the opportunity for the majority of children to match their potential. For those children who are differently abled, we also have undertaken to create education that they can match their potential. Mm. We'd like to do the same thing for gifted children. But do they not fit into that... that, uh, the, the 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 special education needs that are in uh, that are law now. Uh, the okay, so no, they don't. No, they currently don't. 
um, they're actually the only group that has been excluded. So if your child has a learning disability, if your child is in any way physically or mentally disabled, they are covered by the Inclusive Education Act, but um, gifted children are not. Hmm. You know, the other thing is when, when somebody says you're gifted, usually the, 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 it's taken negatively when, you know, it's, it's almost like there's <laughs> something wrong with you. When, and yes. and yeah, children and teenagers, you know, tease each other. Oh, you're gifted, you know, as, as if you are different. Yes, you are different, but negatively different. How do we yes. change the perception? Um, I think we change the perception by treating gifted kids like everyone else. Um, it might require that they need specific things in school. But outside of school, they're just a child like any other. They have the same emotional needs. They have the same social needs. They have the same desire to be regarded well by their peers. So I think a lot of the stigma around it is because they're seen as difficult to deal with um, because we haven't really figured out how to deal with them yet. And that's where it comes from is the moment you treat someone differently Mm -hmm. in front of a bunch of children, if you're the adult, they take their cue from you. Um, And I think if you've put teachers in classrooms where you're not different, you just have to do a different set of exercises, that's hardly a big deal. it suddenly becomes a lot more acceptable. I think that's the key, that kids are always going to take their cue from adults. Mm. And I think if adults understand it and if it's demystified, it will be a lot. Please do stay on the line for me. We'll continue this conversation after this break, Vashti. Sure. Thank you. Otherwise, on SAFM. Where are South Africa's genius children? Well, we're talking to Vashti Nepal who is the winner of the City Press Nonfiction Award 2014 and a journalist. And she talks to us about these children, our gifted children. Vashti, you're looking for them. Um, but before we even talk about what you, you, you'll do when you find them, is you mentioned that especially when they come from uh, poor backgrounds and poor families and poor communities, they usually just drop off school because nobody identifies and nobody knows what to do with them. Now, are, are we able to rehabilitate those that have dropped off and, and, and still hone their genius? So here's a difficult question. Um, I think that it would be fair to ask that question for any child, not just the most gifted children. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a nearly 40, nearly 50% dropout rate, and that's from school. We have a higher dropout rate for the FET colleges. Um, what do we do with children who don't finish school but who are definitely capable mm-hmm. and could go on to better things? So could we rehabilitate them? I believe that we could. Where I am concerned is what happens to those children afterward when we've proven that we don't have enough spaces in our workplace mm-hmm. for um, young graduates and our young matriculants. So we've got, a, we've got an over 40% unemployment rate in the youth bracket. When you add the, the children and the youth who are not actively looking for work to that, it climbs to some, somewhere around 76% sure. shutter. So we, we have a big challenge. We do have children who definitely deserve to be rehabilitated, who will definitely, firstly, just because they're eager to do something with their lives, and secondly, because they have the aptitude amount to something. But where do we put them afterwards? You know, education can't exist in a silo. It's got to, it's got to move someone to the next level of employment or, or purpose. 
maybe then the rehabilitation uh, after rehabilitation the placements should be probably in the arts where we introduce music you spoke about football and and, and those kinds of uh, uh, activities or, 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 or professions Yes, there are a number of professions that currently are foundering and they're unattractive for people to enter because they haven't received enough support. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do believe the arts is certainly somewhere we could put um, uh, these students. Incidentally, we could also feed them back into the education system. Mm-hmm. They can help enrich learners much like themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from the debating society um, platform where I was a debater and I benefited from wonderful assistance um, all throughout my school career from people who voluntarily gave their time. I matriculated, I voluntarily gave my time. Mm. The students that I coached are now coaching. So it can be a system that we employ so that people can actually use their experience um, to feed back into the circuit of, of uplifting others. With regards to our population, our, our young or youth population, what percentage are we talking about as far as these children are concerned? Okay, <laughs> that's a great <laughs> question. Um, we have something like 20 um, people who fit the youth profile. Sorry, also how many? 20, how many? 20, 20 million in total who are young people in South Africa. Okay. Right? Of that, people are saying that the most conservative minimum is two percent so i'm starting to lose you are you moving around vashti no i'm not can you hear me now i I can hear you now yes so uh, conservatively about two percent of 20 million yes and of um and optimistically about 10 percent when i did the numbers we're looking at between 400,000 um to 2 million young people who will be gifted in some way or another so it might not mean that they have uh, 140 IQ, but it might mean that they are years advanced in music composition, in playing a violin, in um, the arts. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what we're looking at. We're looking at a significant minority of our young people. And this is uh, taking into account both uh, disadvantaged and those with better means? Yes. Okay. So you find these children, what do you hope to do with them? What I hope to do is Firstly, open up the idea that even if they're in the poorest school, their curriculum can offer them something. Mm -hmm. That would be one of my major goals, is to get the government to say, we will offer some kind of enrichment within the school curriculum. That would be great. In the meantime, if that doesn't happen, I'm considering looking at alternative ways of putting enrichment out there for kids to access. The cheapest way is unfortunately to do it through technology, mm-hmm. which I do know that a lot of kids don't have access to, but it may be the most viable starting point if I'm doing it myself. Do we have uh, a kind of uh, advice from different countries around the world who've had the same experience? Uh, can you partner with uh, people who've, who've, who've done this before? Yes. There are amazing programs being run all around the world. It's sad to say that there are countries with state-run programs for gifted learners on every continent except our continent. Um, And some of them have been instrumental in taking kids out of very poor homes and through their own um, um, investment. What this does for the government is 
earns that research, which is valuable research, but it also puts that child in the government civil service. Um, countries, for example, like India do this, and that's how they get a lot of their scientists um, that they need um, to run their army and to run um, their nuclear power. Mm. So it is definitely something worth thinking about because our government is looking at a skill shortage. They need specialist skills. And here is an opportunity to, to leverage off of that. Well, Vashti, I, I really need to, to, to continue talking to you. We're going to take a little break. I want some solutions. I want people to be able to get hold of you. And let, let's find out how all of us can work together to, to, to fast track uh, your program and what you're trying to do. So will you please again, I'm, I'm going to ask if my producer can try and call you again because your line keeps dropping on us. Okay. So I'm going to ask you if she can call you again just so that we have a clearer especially towards the end of our, our program have a clearer line but yes. uh, just to give it give it context um, I'm talking to Vashti Nepal and we're trying to identify South Africa's uh, missing genius children and if you believe you have one of those children I think you should listen very very attentively because we need to work with her and help her find these children and help her uh, get it into the mainstream and of, of our Department of Education, our education system, whichever way we can, and she'll tell us how. But she also runs a, 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 a Tehuti Institute, which aims to expose school-age learners to means and matter, and a matter that enriches education. We'll talk to her about that as well. Um, thank you for staying with me, Vashti. Can you hear me properly now? Yes. I think can you hear me? I think, yes, I can hear you. Now, Vasi, we want to do something. We want to assist. What can we do? How, how do we find our children? If I believe I've got a child who's gifted, uh, what do I do now? Is, is your institute the right place to start? Um, unfortunately, no. So the institute is really just helping out schools where they can with little en enrichment programs. Mm -hmm. At the moment... If, the, if you have a gifted child, um, the best thing you can do, if it's within your budget, is to take them to an educational psychologist. Um, and what they will do is, uh, and based on what the child is getting at school and what they're getting at home, design a learning program for them. That, from an individual level, is the best that you can do for a child. Mm -hmm. But at a national level, in terms of what what we can do for our children, that's actually coming together right now. So if anyone has any input that they can get in touch with me for any kinds of assistance in terms of perhaps putting up an online platform that will help teachers, help gifted kids, help um, parents with information, that I think is the first goal mm -hmm. to set up a pathway book. Then it makes them public. It helps people to one another and to discuss what they're experiencing with children. Mm. It's it's a pity my line is getting worse, Vashti. But I I, oh, I, yeah. I really I really think that you've given us somewhere to to go, to, something to think about first, but also uh, how to respond to it. I'm going to ask if you have a website or email where people can connect with you. Yes, um, email at the moment, which is vashti dot n so v a s h t h i dot n at gmail.com okay and and you you welcome discussions and and suggestions and those kinds of things 
Yes, any input I will get back to you and we can start. There have been a lot of people, especially teachers, who've gotten hold of me with wonderful input mm -hmm. and we're all trying to work together to get a website off the ground and also um, for them to feed into the research in the book. And, and when do you hope the book is out there and published? Um, so the book is looking to be published by no later than October next year, mm -hmm. which sounds like a long time, but if you're me, it's quite terrifying. <laughs> we wish you all the best and all the help you can get, and we'll be in touch and, and talk to us some more, and be in touch with us as well if, if uh, we, we, we can assist in any way. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vashti. Bye. Take care. Uh, South African, South Africa's missing genius children. It's vashti.n at gmail.com if you'd like to even have a, a, a bigger conversation with her about our genius children. V-A-S-H-T-H-I dot nfonelli at gmail.com. Coming up uh, after this, I'll be chatting to uh, Dr. Prina Sharpe. There's the big picture, and the small picture, and everything that's green in between, on the Enviro Show, Thursday nights on SAFM, between 9 and 10. Otherwise, on SAFM. Well, as the spotlight is on Dr. Gidam Shope, um... This month sees the Children's Theatre Festival in Durban, which profiles uh, her as a writer and storyteller. And she will join us now uh, to talk to us about that. Congratulations, Dr. Mshope. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. It was good bumping into you the other day. I was very excited. I like, to see. What a beautiful surprise. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great honor for you, the Children's Theatre Festival. And five this is of you. amazing. I'm really, really humbled and honored. Tomorrow, I can't wait to go and see Fotogaz's Magic. We've done it as a DVD. I have performed it on world stages, but I've never seen it done by a South African audience, audience by a South African director mm -hmm. and, um, and the DUC students. So I'm so curious to see how they're going to do it. Well, you know, I, I see and I wonder how you, these were handpicked because there's different directors for different stories. Um, yes. Um, and have you, have you worked with the directors before? No, I haven't. I haven't. I just thought they must have um, freedom to, to enjoy, uh, enjoy the work. You know, it's like that kind of thing when your child comes of age. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think my, my children have come of age. <laughs> so they can be enjoyed by different people. And the show, like have you seen, Zandil, has been performed by so many people in different countries. And so that one is, is the oldest uh, uh, daughter of mine. <laughs> and then all the others uh, are, are coming of age. And Lungile as well has been done um, differently. I've, I've seen Lungile being performed uh, by, 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 stu by students from Guamatri on the south coast. Mm -hmm. And they made Lungile to be so hip. And she was a township girl, you know, happening, and and then and the way she dressed, and the way she was so cool with the guys, and and telling them, listen, just chill, okay? I don't need a boyfriend. Just take it easy. I need my education. And she, it was just fascinating to see how these children decided to do it differently, like that. Well, and it was a higher primary. And and you know, th th this is fascinating because I I, I was. 
I was worried about you having to let go and give creative license to other people to interpret without losing the meaning of or, or the directed message uh, to to you know to to the audience. And now I'm I'm, I'm surprised that you 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 kind of so excited about it and you you happy to let go um, and and fearlessly as well. Is there is there anything I that you want to protect mainly? First of all, when um, when you feel like um, you've breathed enough life into a, a work of art, mm -hmm. you are able to, 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 to watch the wings develop. You are able to watch it take to the skies, mm -hmm. and you are able to see the beauty from a different perspective. And, um, you know, without you being in charge, if it was a kite, you would be controlling it. Mm -hmm. Imagine someone else controlling it and you standing up on a hillside watching it floating down by the ocean so uh, for me i i, I always wish um, to believe that uh, i have breathed enough life mm. into the the works uh, that i've created mm. and a story like um a story like um Nendaba, for instance when i perform that story to women audiences the response oh my goodness you mean the ocean is deep inside me mm. i must go and look for the treasure inside me but okay Thank you, members of the audience who think the ocean is inside you. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> you know, every time the stories are reinterpreted, reinterpreted, even if I'm in charge, I'm on stage, I'm delivering, and then mm. performing to, to a, an audience, different countries and uh, or people of different religious and cultural backgrounds, they take what they want from it. Mm, mm. You see? And so there's always that thing of the circle where you give out and it comes back to you. Give out and it comes back to you. So this kind of honor at DUT, I'm so grateful that they've chosen my work this year, 2014. And on my month, this is my birthday month, mm. uh, I'll be turning 56 on the 26th of October. Congratulations. And, uh, yeah, on the 24th, the 24th of October. And so there's so much going on on this month, and I'm really happy that they've chosen to do this. And another thing that I like is that it's young directors. Mm, mm. Young directors. For me, I'm, I'm just, I'm always so excited. I'm like a mother hen, you know, when I watch young people doing good. Oh, man. Well, I, I just want... Nothing make me happier. I just want to talk about, um, and selfishly talk about you again, and spiritually how you feel, because this this is a, is a great experience, as you say. It's a great honor. And letting go... Does that mean, and I, I really need to know how it feels, because does that mean you, you are then able to, to, to create new work because you've let go of the work that you've breathed life into, as you say? Does that mean now you, you, you start creating from a, a, a different level altogether? There are different things that are happening, you know. Um, for instance, um, when I went into full-time storytelling, Another valve opened inside me, which I didn't even know existed. It's not the kind of, kind of thing that you, you anticipate mm. that is going to happen. Mm. It just happened. Mm. And this is the, 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 the side of me that created music. Okay. You see, mm. the amount of music I've created since I, I, I went into full-time storytelling, it's almost like a, my, my, my stories wanted um, a kind of a, a beautiful outfit to wear. <laughs> and that beautiful outfit has been music. That's your soundtrack. And the soundtrack to all your stories, yes. <laughs> yeah, the soundtrack, exactly. Yes. And so I've, I've, I've written and, and, and directed African Mother Christmas and all the music in that show, apart from Tukomkulu, which is the, this, the song by Unsigana Kakapa mm -hmm. that you find in the Methodist Church hymn books. Apart from Tukomkulu, every song on African Mother Christmas, I wrote it. 
and um, other shows. Mata Mata, I wrote the music for that. And um, this year, not only have we been blessed to, to, to get funding to produce the CD of African Mother Christmas, we have also um, we are also in, 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 in preparation to record the Hope Song. Wow. Which has got eight songs, and um, I'll be working with Peggy Koza again, which I love. <laughs> He's my brother, you know. I always tell people I'm related to the Koza people via the guitar. <laughs> I would love working with my brother Peggy Koza. Well, so well, I back think into the studio in November. I think he, um, I think his guitar yeah. playing, his guitar playing, is an interpretation of your stories. He's fantastic. Yes. He's fantastic. One of the most generous people I've ever known. Mm. I've worked mm. with him for the past 19 years, and I tell you, it is, it's a joy working with him. You know. So you're going and, into um, the studio? We're going back into the studio in November. We're going to do the Hope Song. And so mostly the, whatever we sell of, of the Hope Song is going to go into the, 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 the funding for the Memory House. At long last, I can say 2015, my life is going to be very different. Oh, bless you, bless you, bless you so <laughs> my much. My life is going to be so different. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. It's going to be different. The other younger storytellers are going to be doing the, the, the visits to the schools now. I don't have to personally do that mm -hmm. anymore mm -hmm. and I, I like that no no and of course so I, I will do the schools from time to time but uh, i won't be doing it as, as much as i've been doing in the past 14 years and so my 2015 is going to be a different um year onwards it's your it's your graduation year you you, you it's my graduation, graduation year. yes yes now <laughs> back back to the back because i'm trying to get young people to go and see these stories uh yes, at the theater yes. festival um, we, what, what ages are we talking about? Because all of us are... They've actually... focused it on, on, on primary schools. Mm -hmm. They've focused it on primary schools. And some of them, they've invited the lower primary, some of them higher primary, mm -hmm. which I would think, have you seen Zandile, applies to, to the older group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then Fodugaz is magic because of all the transformations and all the lovely stuff. For me, it almost like feels like a, a South African version of something like um, Peter and the Wolf. Okay, okay. You see, even though not every instrument represents a particular animal, but it's this thing of this tortoise that decorates every animal. So for the younger audiences, it's fantastic. Oh, lovely. And of course, Mazanendaba, who went to the bottom of the ocean, it's called Story Seeker, and it is um, made with puppets. And Pamela is lovely the way she's done it as a, as a, as a puppet show. Okay. She's ad adapted it. And so definitely Story Seeker is one of those. And have you seen Zandile? And have you seen Zandile? Yes. I think that's why I'm saying have you seen Zandile? It's for the older group. Okay, okay. And the, and the general public as well you know, wants to see have you seen Zandile. Many people keep asking for it. Fantastic. Mm, Fantastic. Very so, much so. You have a filled 2013, 20, I mean 14. 2014, absolutely. It's, it's very absolutely. full. Absolutely. And I, I want you to please let us know when you come out of the studio so we know we can go and buy the music. Um, and 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 whatever else is is on your graduation list, we'd like to hear about. So share it with us when it is all ready. I want to know. I have a question for SFM now. Is that all right? Please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I should, I'm taking a big, big question lead. For <laughs> yes. Um, are you allowed? Do you have a democratic right to come to Durban and have a good time and do nothing, just chill with us on the 17th of October. Would you be given a democratic right to just come to Durban and have a good time? Well, I shall ask my, 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 my the Makulubas, the Makulubas and, mm. then, and then see, see what we can do about that. But I'm sure mm -hmm. we, you know, if it's for you, I'm sure we can do it. 
You know what? Mm-hmm. We've got, this is the seventh year now that our literacy campaign has a storytelling festival and book celebration. And in the past three years, we hardly go on stage, we professional performers. Mm-hmm. It's the schools that perform. Okay. They are outstanding. Okay. They are outstanding. I'm, I'm excited like a child when, when Christmas is coming. I'm counting the days until the 17th of October because the children are going to hit the stage and they're going to be doing poetry. They do choral verse. We've got the, 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 the deaf children doing their own stuff of performance. And then we're going to have two schools also of the blind because some of my books have come out in Braille now. Oh, fantastic. And so they're going to be there reading my books in Braille. Oh. And I mean, there's going to be so much going on there. And my, one of my favorite schools, the Umlazi Junior Primary, they're going to be doing Umshadu again. They're like, wow, wow. <laughs> I wish the whole of South Africa could see them, you know. <laughs> listen, listen, I am <laughs> going to... stick to the Makulibas eh? and say, you want to go play, you want to go play in Japan, eh? <laughs> Sorry, Mavis. I'm going to go play in Japan on the Friday, 20, uh, Friday 17th of October. Play with the children, eh? Yeah, play with the children. I mean, really, Makulubas, what's wrong? What's wrong with playing, eh? <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. And we'll come so, back to you about the 17th. But I hope, yes, I hope but the right now, this week, people must just enjoy DUT's effort and they've done such a brilliant job. Oh, we didn't, even say, we didn't even say where it was, hey? It's a DUT at the Courtyard Theatre. Your Courtyard Theatre. Yes, a Courtyard Theatre. And um, it's at, um, uh, at the Steve Bigo Campus. Okay, fantastic. Steve Bigo Campus, Peria. And then, then also the performance is there. The first show is at 9.30 in the morning, and the second show is at 11.30 every day. And what's the contribution financially? 25 rands. 25 rand. That's, I, mm-hmm. I hope that's affordable for everyone. Yes. Thank you, Sissi. 25 rands. Oh, thank you so much. I'm and, really glad and that congratulations the DUT is doing this for young audiences. Yes, congratulations to you. And if I don't talk to you before, then have a great birthday. Yeah, bonga, cool. God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Dr. Trinam Shope, storyteller extraordinaire, and uh, <laughs> talk to my Kulubas. Um, and and uh, the, the Children's Theatre is on, and catch it. I think if you go uh, this week, you will be able to catch it, and it's a great honor for her. It started on the 29th, and it finishes on the 3rd of October. So go out and take young ones to go and see those beautiful plays. We